Rackham View from Seattle, Washington, home of the Supersonics fan base. I'm Josh. Here we go. Alright, now last time that we talked, we went through some of the top defenses in the league. We went through the top three uh, teams and we're supposed to go through four, five, and six right now. But first, I want to talk a little bit about a couple of the trends uh, through the league, where shots are coming from. So like we talked about the last episode, there's really four places from the four floor you shoot from. There's restricted, there's corner threes, there's above the break, and then there's everything else. There's other. So kind of that floater mid-range area. And each step that goes up from other to above the break to restricted, it's about a quarter of a point per attempt each step up and then corner three gets slotted in there right between above the break and the restricted shots and so what do i mean by a quarter of a point well for every hundred shots that you take from the other area over the last five years you're going to get right about 80 points 2015 16 2017 18 and 2019 20 is 0.80 points per attempt so it puts you right at 80 points in 2016 17 you'd have 82 points and 18 19 would be 81 so it's right there very consistent now if you take it above the break three every year except for one over the last five years that gives you 1.05 or 105 points per 100 shots which is actually below the average offense now interesting enough but then when you go to restricted this year it was at at 1.26 so 126 points if you shot 100 shots from the restricted area so that's kind of the hierarchy of the shots and the order that you really want to get them at so the most value that the three has is opening up the lanes for the restricted to be able to get to the basket attack the rack get to some points and get to the free throw line now free throws are obviously super important they're the most efficient shot there is is off the charts it's not even close uh, I'm going to set them to the side for this right now because they've been fairly consistent from like an overall league average uh, standpoint over the last few years. Each of the last five years, there was an out, one outlier year that I'm going to set aside and I'll circle back to. The other years were all between 22.9 and 23.4 free throw attempts. All right, now we got that laid down as like the groundwork so we can actually talk about this. But that's kind of the lens I'm going to be looking at some of this stuff from. So I want to look back over the last five years. There's been a little bit of a jump from 2015-16 to 2019-20. I'm just going to look at kind of those two years because it's been pretty consistent. And I'll make a, a couple of notes along the way uh, about any other trends within there. But in 2015-16, the number of points getting scored each game was like 103. 102.7 to be like precise. Okay, 103 points. Now we're over 111. We're like 111.3. That's a that's a pretty big difference <laughs> in increase uh, in total scoring. So that's like 8.6 points per game. But almost all of that has come from non-free throws. Because like we were talking about, the number of free throws is very, very similar. Actually, it's 0.1 less points per game getting in free throws uh, than we were five years ago so that entire like eight and a half point per game increase is coming from non-free throw shots 8.7 really because free throws are actually down so it's 10 percent 
it went from getting 85 points a game, we're going to call it just from the field, to 94. 94 points a game. So there's like nine more, 8.7, nine more points per game being scored. So is it because it's more efficient? Or is it just more of it? Quantity versus quality. Well, it's pretty split. If you really look at it, it's actually a little bit over uh, half. So 5.3% of that increase is just because more shots are being taken. So it went from like 84, just over 84 to almost 89. Then you have the actual efficiency of shots. So it went from on these types of shots in the league, if you shot 100 of them, you get like 101 points. Now you get like 100, 506 right in there. So that's pretty significant. That's a 4.7% increase, uh, a little bit over that. And that's kind of how you put that together and you get that 10% increase in what in the scoring of what's actually happening in the games. So half of that is just they're getting up down the floor more and they're doing it. But the ones that are more efficient, how are they being more efficient? What's really going on there? What's happening? Because it's kind of interesting. Uh, if you look at the shots broken up that way, the biggest thing that's happened over this time is seven less shots per game are getting taken from the other areas. The pull-up mid-rangers, the long twos, the floater range. That's come down almost seven shots a game from like 33 to like 26. Um, and so that's gone. So you see increases in restricted and corner threes were about one and a half shots a game each. Uh, getting added there. So that's three shots a game. So it picks up that at least almost four shots a game plus it increased another four shots a game. So above the break threes have gone up 8.4 shots per game. But they've stayed steady in their efficiency, but it's right at league average. So league average for these types of shots right now is 1.05 points per attempt, or you get 105 points with 100 possessions. So I kind of look at it above the break three as that's kind of like your okay shot. That's gonna keep you right in the middle of the pack. But if you're not gonna get fouled on it or anything, it's just okay. But it's a little also high variant shot. So it's one that you it's hard to count on unless you have a really good shooter shooting it. Uh, but just if it's your average shooter, you're out there, you catch it, you shoot, Average shooter is a really hard thing to break down because volume comes into the uh, ability. But we'll set that aside for a second. But you're shooting from above. It's about an average shot. So if there's anything added to that, if it's a pull-up or if it's contested, now suddenly it's a below average shot. So that's kind of something to keep in mind as you're watching is, did, did that get contested? Was there a guy there? And that's why it's not really worth fouling because if you're within five feet you have a hand up and you contest this you're already pulling this down so it's a below average shot you don't need to go send the guy to the line for the most efficient shot in the history of basketball the three shot foul above the uh, the break is ridiculous uh, the difference between letting him shoot that shot and sending him to the line you lose so many uh, you lose a couple points uh, frankly But I think over and over you see that the corner three and the restricted area are where you're actually pulling the uh, points per attempt up. So the above the break is kind of holding it steady there, but the really big value there is being able to get that um, those extra shots inside. So you're getting extra three shots between the corner and the restricted area. But also the restricted area is interesting uh, because over the last five years it's been there's been more focus on the, the three-pointer uh, and I think uh, 
possibly less bad post-ups might contribute to this as well because you don't find the need to uh, give your um, center that token post-up uh, at the beginning of the, the game and <laughs> try and get them going, get them into it because uh, they just understand that's a bad attempt. But regardless of uh, the restricted has gone up, so they're getting an extra like five points per 100 possessions uh, in the restricted area. 100 shots, excuse me, not possessions. Uh, for every sh 100 shots, you get an extra five uh, points between 2015 and 16 and 2019 20. And I think that's what you're seeing uh, a lot of the teams take advantage of defensively. Is there's a couple ways to play this? You can go, okay, well, let's, let's get them to shoot poorly from above the break because we know they're going to shoot from there they're shooting uh 26 shots a game the average team is shooting 26 shots a game uh from above the break and we know they're going to shoot like mid 20s a game still in these other types of shots and a lot of those are by their best player and already have our best defender on them so there's not a whole lot to do there and those are already low value shots so let's get them to shoot poorly from above the break well we probably need to have uh like a scattered type of defense there's something where we're either switching up the coverages a lot throwing some occasional zone where we have a lot of athletic long lanky uh defenders that can get the deflections and get in the passing lanes so it's not just clean catching the shooting pocket be able to shoot that's a if you're able to do that and protect the basket you can have a really really good defense but you still got to be able to protect the basket. It's too big of a deal. Uh, there's a couple of teams that can kind of get away with it occasionally, but you ultimately have to protect the basket because it's too valuable. It'll destroy your defense uh, from the inside out. So that's the other way to do it, is going so hard and just protecting the rim and that you just don't have very many attempts there. You cut off the lanes early, and this is kind of what the Boston Celtics are doing. They're keeping people from getting attempts at the at the basket, which is serving them uh, very well. As we talked about uh, last time, you can go back and listen to that to hear a little bit more about the Celtics. And then you have the teams uh, like like the Bucks that just went all have gone all in on protecting protecting the rim, which is awesome and great and they're just letting people fly from downtown so the question is going to be is if they wrong, run into the wrong personnel what do they do and how do they adjust if somebody can just sit up top and bomb shots and win the game and now we are going to go through number four five and six in defense ready heading into the all-star break yeah i know i'm a little late but uh, what are you gonna do uh first up we have with a defensive rating of 106.1, the Philadelphia 76ers. They, I found the 76ers really interesting because with their size, with Horford and Bede, uh, I mean, Harris and uh, Simmons and Richardson, that's a lot of size on the perimeter too, uh, that they would have been better protecting the rim, but they weren't. They're, like, they're 18th in the league in the field goal percentage they're giving up at the rim, almost 64%. And they're like 12th in the number of attempts. Like, I mean, so they're nothing special protecting the rim at all. But they're one of the five best teams 
at forcing the highest percentage of the other, the other team shots in those other categories we were talking about from that mid-range from the floater cat so they're making him shoot from the right spots and they're a big team so i think those two things are a big part of why they're being uh, effective uh, on defense and they're really focused on keeping people out of the corner shooting corner threes and keeping those percentages down now my personal opinion would be that that would make a whole lot more sense to focus on taking away the the basket the restricted area because people shoot like you mean high 20s from the restricted area every game and people shoot like six or seven from the corner so it's like uh, how much is there really to gain by being an elite team keeping people out of the, out of the corners versus an elite team protecting the rim especially if you have horford and Embiid. there's no reason they shouldn't be the premier rim protecting defense in the nba which would make a whole different uh conversation around this team if they were the number two defense let's say behind the bucks this year because the bucks are incredible so they don't necessarily have to match that but if they're like number two really solid uh defense right on the heels of the bucks protecting the rim they'd be in great shape so we'll try and force some of these other shots now that all plays into each other you can't get that high percentage if you're not getting out and holding the perimeter to force them into those shots and, and in doing so you can give up more some stuff at the rim sometimes as you get beat running people off the line they also do a really good job though they're number three in the league um in second chance points so controlling uh, the boards is a really big deal and because of kind of you mix all this stuff together and their size and everything uh it puts them ninth in effective field goal percentage so when you put that together uh being good at the second chance points the size and everything keep that effective field goal percentage in the top 10 that's how they're able to come out with the number four defense at a 106.1 rating next up we have the los angeles lakers with a defensive rating of 106.3 Number five defense going into the all-star break. Number six in restrictive uh, field goal percentage against them at 60%. That makes a really huge thing you're going to hear me talk about forever and ever and ever. you got to protect the basket. It makes all the difference in the world. And they're doing a great job in it. They're also doing a pretty good job at corner threes. They're top 10, uh, under seven a game that they're giving up, that they're allowing. Uh, that number has risen a lot. In the last uh, couple of years, seven would have been one of the worst in the league a few years ago. And now it's one of the better ones, uh, keeping people out of there, uh, shooting those higher percentages. They're number four, number four, number four in deflections, which I think is a sign of a really good defense. Uh, deflections just, uh, you show me a team that's getting a ton of deflections, and I can point to how that's helping them. <laughs> now, there uh, are some teams that are just set where they don't have the personnel or they might not be disciplined in executing the scheme uh, where they're trying to be too aggressive and they just don't have, they just don't have the people to do it. Uh, but those, I believe, are the two ways you can have a great defense is you get out and disrupt them uh, in the passing lanes and up on the floor. So you affect the the shooting percentage uh, from range in doing that. You prevent the clean, easy, uh, in-rhythm looks. And you always make people think that there's a, a, an arm coming that's going to tip the ball or get in their way or whatever. And, and then protecting the rim. If you can do those two things, uh, you're going to be in really good shape, uh, regardless of where exactly people shoot from on the floor uh, and how many open shots you give up. 
and they are number five using their size and second chance points, which is a huge, um, is very interesting looking. Uh, it has a much higher indicator of the good defenses this year. The ones that are really good at keeping the second chance points low for the other team, uh, much more so than transition. Uh, I think there's a lot of teams that are giving up more points in transition uh, as part of a sound defensive strategy of really getting back and protecting the rim and prioritizing that and letting people take the pull-up threes. Uh, that's fine. Uh, you want to take a pull-up three on a, a numbers advantage on a fast break uh, from above the break. I mean, go ahead. There's, what, like 10 guys in the league that that's actually probably a really good shot for. Uh, the rest of them, they think they're those guys. And, but that is our Los Angeles Lakers with a 106.3 defensive rating. Well, if we're being honest, though, this is just really a Davis. Uh, Davis's length and athleticism gets to shine on defense. And with uh, Howard and McGee, all that inside, that's great. With the, uh, we saw that going into the season. I was saying we got to look at the difference between the, the Clippers defense and the Lakers defense is the Lakers are going to have really good size and protect the basket. The Clippers have way better def perimeter defensive talent, but they don't have the who, who's good at protecting the rim. Nobody's good at protecting the rim. They just have a bunch of lockdown individual guys. The same way on uh, offense. That's why I've been a little bit skeptical of the Clippers because if it's they got it all going and it's all working and it's all rolling, okay, it'll work. But there's really no system to their defense or their offense. It's all a bunch of individual performances. And I think that makes it a little bit tough come playoff time because you need everybody to step up you know, on both sides of the ball at the exact same time and be consistent. And okay. Okay, but there's not a lot of uh, rhythm and system uh, to make that happen. I don't know how I got onto the Clippers, uh, that, but we are going there next. Don't you worry. Uh, but the, the Lakers, uh, having all that size there, and then having LeBron James has done a phenomenal job kind of helping be that quarterback of that defense, uh, making being an extremely good help defender, um, just a smart uh, guy that you can't really exploit. <laughs> they just put up so much size. Uh, that's a consistent thing that you see. Uh, defensive teams, good defensive teams, are typically uh, have a lot of size, and that's something that can't be lost in this new era, regardless of what the Houston Rockets do. That's just going all in a different direction, and that's awesome, but that's also why you're not going to see hear us talk about them on the top five, six defensive teams uh, in the NBA. And then we have the Los Angeles Clippers with the number six defensive rating with a 106.7, which really I'm going to kind of probably kind of hate on the Clippers a little bit here. Uh, you heard me a little bit. I'm not the highest on them. Uh, don't get me wrong. They could very well win the championship this year. I definitely don't think that's the favorite um, outcome, uh, most likely outcome for sure, but that's definitely could happen. Uh, pretty solid defensive rating considering they've, haven't had all their guys all year uh, however they do have a deep team so they have had competent NBA players stepping in and filling those roles and they have had good defensive players that were healthy just maybe not all their defensive players uh, and they have played a uh, traditional center to try and protect the rim I don't believe in Zubox being able to protect the rim at a really high um, degree I, I think ultimately uh, he's going to get exploited uh, at the top and talent, but come playoffs, but we, we will see. They are number eight in the league, 
protecting the rim though at 62% uh, and number 10 in the number of attempts they give up uh, giving them seventh in total makes at the rim uh, which all helps and that's part of the reason why they're at the 106.7 defensive ratings they're top 10 they're like right at that top 10 mark and like all the things you would look at so they're number eight in the most other shots those worst shots that you uh, can take and best thing to give up uh, and they're number one in the least number of corner threes that they give up with under five a game, 4.7, which is pretty incredible, taking people way back to like that 2014, uh, 2015, 2013 type of numbers back in there. Uh, but they are giving up a lot of above-the-break threes. Another thing you see from good defensive teams, they kind of let teams just shoot from up there and take away all the higher-value uh, stuff, really from the free-throw line down. Um, and really inside the free throw line, giving up some of that stuff in the a little floater, little 15-foot jumper from an okay shooter. Uh, that stuff's not bad stuff to give up. You want to give that stuff up. Uh, even technically, some of that stuff's going to be paint points, uh, and it's really not that efficient. They're also top 10 in second chance points at number 9. And so you kind of all mix that together, and that's how you come out with the number 6 uh, defensive team so far in the year. Uh, Doc Rivers just has them playing a real good uh, defensively over there. See come playoff time how they are going to be able to put it together, because don't get me wrong, you put some pretty incredible defensive units out there. Uh, I'm just skeptical uh, that Zubox is going to be on the on the floor when you want to do that. And if you take him off the floor, do, do they really have the size to protect the rim uh, and do it? But I suppose if you have uh, George, Leonard, Morris, Beverly uh, all manned up uh, on their mans and Harrell, uh, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with their defenders and they just don't let them get by them and I guess that's another way to protect the rim is if nobody lets their man get by him so that's entirely possible for them to just completely lock teams down on the perimeter where they can't get to the rim and that could be a very successful uh, deal but that's going to require every single guy showing up and making sure that happens uh, because if there is a breakdown and as you sub guys in as you try and get some more uh, shooting on the floor but that has a lot of shooting in that lineup but they have some of those guys are going to have to sub out at certain points in time and if you put any anybody else um on the floor they're going to have to go with some of their better shooters so it'll be interesting if reggie jackson's making shots they're going to be really tough because they can have another dynamic person out there who is not a poorer defender who can keep his man in front of him uh sometimes he's got to be focused when he's not focused watching him okay see oh man he can be terrible but when he's focused and actually locked in uh he's a guy that has a little bit of a dog in him, a little bit of a fight a little bit of a uh we're gonna go get this guy and lock him down Thanks for listening to Attack the Rack. Make sure you subscribe. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.